Hello Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. Magical Podcast Coven. I'm so excited to be back with you this week and joining me today is our beautiful resident psychic medium, Tracy. Hi. And we have another very special and fabulous guest in store for you all today, all the way from Chicago, thanks to Zoom. So today's guest is a professional astrology and tarot reader and has been practicing modern witchcraft for over 20 years. As a devotee of the goddess Lilith, he anchors his practice with the use of glamour, love, moon and sex magic. The author of many books, including The Glam Witch, The Complete Book of Moon Spells, Witchcraft for Daily Self-Care, Love Spells for the Modern Witch and Moon Spells for Beginners. We are truly excited to welcome the glam witch himself, Michael Herkus, into our podcast coven today. So hello, Michael. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, Michael. Oh. Well, we can't wait to bring all of your wisdom and magic to our listeners, that's for sure. Yes. Yes. So exciting. So there's a question we always ask our guests. What does the word witch mean to you? Oh, which means power to me, um, which is just, uh, you know, I could give the, the very, you know, modern PC version of it being someone who, you know, changes, um, uh, creates change with their will and works with nature uh, and all of that good stuff. But I really see witches today being someone who uh, is in control of their own destiny and is in touch with their higher selves. Um, they seek to not only empower themselves, but others around them um, in our, our current day and age. And I like to take it even a step further when we, we think about witchcraft and the connection to nature. A lot of times people think that that's just the earth and the stars and the moons and the seasons. But for me, it's much more. It's more of the intrinsic personal natures that we have, our, our connections to pleasures, happiness, sadness, um, all of our innate primal instincts um, being an aspect of nature. And that's one area that I kind of really try to focus my craft. Mm, I love, I love that. that. Yeah. I love that more. Yes. Because <laughs> when we think about it, I mean, like, yeah, there's the out, there's outer nature. There's the, the nature that's surrounding us. And, and that's wonderful. And a lot of times we can, we can learn from that. And it mirrors back and forth um, in our own personal lives. But when we take a step back and kind of think about, you know, the nature of of our our shadow self, for example, or the nature of what brings us happiness and pleasure in life and the want and need to experience that and want that. Um, that that to me is really what I like to tap more into. And maybe some of it comes from the fact that I've kind of grown up always, you know, in the outskirts of, of a major metropolis city um, in the US. And I wasn't always connected to you know, the a more rural environment with forests and and we yeah, we have all of that in the city, but I think part of um being tapped into that kind of like more urban uh concrete jungle environment, you try to f- connect with nature in different ways. And one of the ones that I have has been, you know, taking it in more personal to to my personal nature. Mm. Well, we are nature, essentially, aren't we? We are as human beings, yes. we forget that. <laughs> We are, yeah, we are. We're biodegradable. We're, we're substance. <laughs> we, we, we are. We're, um, and we're all stars as well. We, you know, mm. outstretch ourselves, and we're the pentagram. So, um, mm-hmm. there we are. So your debut book um, was the Glam Witch, and yes. it's a mouthful because it is a magical <laughs> manifesto of empowerment with the great Lilithian arcane mysteries. So, Michael, with that mouthful being said, what is a Glam Witch? Explain it for us. Well, the Glam Witch is me. I am the Glam Witch. Well, um, <laughs> no, it's a, so uh, you know. Uh, 
I guess I kind of, I'll give a little bit more of a backstory behind that. So when I first started to, so I've been, I've been practicing witchcraft for 20 years at this point, um, came into it uh, at a very early age and have been a solitary ever since. And it wasn't until around 2017 that I really wanted to get out of my comfort zone. And there was this magical festival happening in New Orleans here in the U.S. called Hexfest. And Fiona was going to be there, Fiona Horn, uh, and a friend of the show, a personal friend of mine too. And I wanted to reconnect with her. So I was like, oh, let me get a ticket. Let me go to this big, you know, magical festival. And I've never really done that before. I've always kind of stayed clear of, of those types of settings. And I went and I was just so truly inspired by everybody that was doing things in the world. And I felt as though I had reached the point in my craft where I wanted to uh, start to give back and start to be a teacher and, and put myself out there and especially talk a little bit more about Lilith because it's been a very, she's been a very strong anchor in, in everything that I do from a witchcraft perspective. And there has, there's not a lot of, uh, at least once upon a time ago, and even still today, it's kind of hard to find really magical texts on her that aren't just kind of dark magic or very slanderous in some kind of a way. Um, so I wrote an article for uh, Which Way Magazine, and it was the, the first one that ever got published was about Lilith, and it got wonderful feedback. And so that inspired the idea for a book and a concept and everything. And while I was in New Orleans, I met up with some people and we, we went to a bar after the festival and someone was just like, wow, you are a glam witch. You need to start teaching people all about your glamour. And I was like, oh, I, I like that. Um, because I, <laughs> glamour is always that. kind of, I am going to take that because glamour has always been something that's kind of surrounded me. I, I, um, you know, grew up to the glamorization of witches in Hollywood during the 90s with all of the Hollywood shows and movies. I, you know, have always loved like fashion photography, Barbie dolls, anything that was glitz and glamoury. And right out of high school, I started working at this very, um, a famous photography studio called Glamour Shots here in the U.S. And uh, I was a lead photographer there and helped people get comfortable with themselves. Oh, you do? Okay, perfect. Cool. You still get familiar with Glamour Shots. (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, well, that works. And so... Uh, so in in writing the article and trying to like revamp my social media and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, what handle am I going to use? And the Glam Witch was the one that worked and it, it kind of stuck. And then when it came to writing this book, I wanted to write a book on glamour magic, but I kept on hearing Lilith chirping in the background like, nope, it's got to be about me. Um, so I was like, <laughs> let me figure out a way to like really infuse it. And the best way to do that would be to tell my story and document how I personally practice. And um, so when I was trying to figure out the, the, the title, um, the Glam Witch just sounded like it worked. It felt like it worked and it was my way of coming into the fold as a teacher in, in the witchcraft community and putting myself out there. And I also, as, as far as my day job goes, I work uh, for a law firm and I do research on, on new clients that come in. So I'm constantly looking at companies that form with acronyms. So I got really good at like trying to break down acronyms. And I, I love acronyms at this point. And so when I was looking at Glam, I was like, what can I make that into an acronym for? And if first I was like goddess Lilith and Michael but that was really narcissistic and I was like I can't do that um, <laughs> and I started playing around with other words and so it came out to be the great Lilithian arcane mysteries and I was like that's a good subtitle and um, so it, in an essence you know the glam witch is is connected to my personal practice of working with Lilith working with glamour magic shadow magic sex magic all of these different um, aspects that are are truly anchored in in her mysticism, her archetypes and things along those ways. Um, but, you know, a glam witch can also be, you know, just someone that is very glamorous that practices witchcraft and uses their aesthetic. It's, it is whatever you want to make it. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the book itself and what I've tried to um, showcase in it is, is a little bit more of my philosophies in working with Lilith. Mm-hmm. I love that. And can you tell us Sorry. how you came into witchcraft and more importantly, your relationship <laughs> with Lilith, which is obviously very deep. Oh, yeah. You know, I I think that Lilith actually was the one that got me into witchcraft. If I really look at it and I look back at my whole childhood, just I had a strong fascination with the moon. I loved snakes. I would always be out in, in the fields, you know, in the suburbs, catching snakes in the summer with my dad and stuff. And um, so, you know, eventually... Uh, you know, at the same time, I also really loved anything that had to do with witches. You know, Wizard of Oz was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I loved any kind of empowering feminine lead role. And uh, eventually, of course, that led me to Buffy, 
<laughs> and uh, there was this, <laughs> this uh, graphic novel that came out. It came out the first season that Buffy was on, and there was a witch episode, but otherwise there wasn't, witchcraft wasn't super really explored the, in the first season of Buffy, but there was this, this like graphic novel, novel comic book that came out called The Dust Waltz, and in it I open it up, and there's this grand character there that's got long flowing red hair and this gorgeous lavender gown, and she's this vampire, and her name is Lilith, and she's the mother of all vampires, first wife of Adam, here to destroy the world, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I was so captivated by her presence on the page, like the glamour that she was admitting from it. Um, she just seemed, even though she was the villain, you know, she was very powerful. And uh, it, I guess it's something I needed at the time because I was a loner, always made fun of for being a little bit more feminine, um, always, you know, wanting to kind of tap into more of that villainous evil witch role, you know, even looking back at some of the, the Disney movies and stuff. So um, I found a power in her. And so she resonated with me. And of course, Buffy continued. We started hearing terms like Wicca, uh, witchcraft. Then Charmed came out, Wicca, witchcraft. I was entering junior high at the time and see Silver Raven Wolf's book, you know, Teen Witch. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, now I'm going to become a witch and I'm going to cast spells on all my enemies that are going after me. Uh, read the book, <laughs> realized that's not how it really works, but became even more... I know, right? Um, I, I <laughs> got really fascinated with just kind of what this, the spirituality was. I loved the fact that there was a goddess. I loved that all acts of love and pleasure were seen as rituals to her. Um, I never really connected to the masculine forms of divinity, um, and even, you know, personally within myself and struggles with gender identity. And so um, it, it seemed like something I was more interested in. So I started to study more and, and picked up a couple more books. And while I understood what I was getting, it's it still, I didn't have the right author. You know, I, I look at authors as kind of literary teachers. They're your literary high priests and priestesses. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I stumbled upon Fiona's book, Witch A Magical Journey, um, at my local library, flipped it over. There's a snake on the background. It's got big splashy pink colors on the front. I loved it. Open it up. The first thing that I see is Lilith in it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, okay, I love this book. Um, and really got swept up into my witchcraft at that point from there. Uh, and of course, in, as a newbie, you see all the things, you know, you got to have the athame and the cauldron. And then I start <laughs> seeing this stuff like, ooh, a patron god or goddess. And I was like, ooh, well, who's mine? And uh, I start looking into Lilith a little bit because that was the first thing that clicked. And again, there wasn't much out there. There was a little passage Fiona wrote that she was an inspiration to witches, kind of the same, same old, same old. First wife of Adam, demonized by the patriarchy, inspiration to witches. And at the time, I really only had the library and um, school computers, which, you know, if you typed in anything to do with witchcraft, it was blocked. And <laughs> the, the Oracle of Google was not what it was. We had asked Jeeves no. back then and it was not, you couldn't find anything. So the, the things that I could find on Lilith all just painted her as this dark, de demonic, satanic creature. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not, that's not me. Uh, time to run away. So I started like, for lack of a better term, doing speed dating with other goddesses that I felt connected <laughs> to just because I was interested or their totem animals were the snake or something that mm -hmm. I felt connected to. And um, it, it didn't really click. And at the same time, I kept hearing Lilith in the background. And what I mean by that was I would open up a book and her name would be there. I'd have to read a book for school and Lily would be the name, main character. Turn on TV, Lily would be a, another character on TV. So I kept hearing her. She was always mm -hmm. in the background. And then um, I watched Mad Mad House, which was a show Fiona was on. And that's when she professed that Lilith was her patron goddess of her coven. And that was my ding, ding, ding jackpot because I was like my literary high priestess here is now devoting that she's connected to this goddess. So let me just, let me just be open-minded to this. Let me try to suspend my disbelief and cynicism and, and jump into it. And luckily Fiona had just written a book that was only in Australia. I found a copy on eBay, was able to get it shipped to me. And it, it did document a little bit more about Lilith. There were rituals that were connected to her. So I used those as kind of a template to then create my practice. And the, the rest is, is history at that point. Mm. So in that. your, oh. Oh, so good. I was just going to say, I find um, in your, the goddesses um, in have the a glam way. witch book. Um, oh, got a bit of delay. <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry, it's my internet, okay. Michael. Oh. It, I'm sorry. Spirit no tends to interfere quite a bit. <laughs> it happens. Um, so 
You've got on your dedication um, page in your book, um, it says to the outcast, may you find your home, your place to rest. First Mm -hmm. of all, that just resonated with me so much. And obviously it's going to resonate with so many other people as well. But Mm -hmm. how have you found that witchcraft is your place to rest? Oh, well, that... um... I'm I'm happy that it resonated with you, and I've I've gotten so many compliments on that. And when I was trying to figure it out, I, I at the end of the day, the Glam Witch was the book that I always wish I had it as a kid. You know, that was my primary motivation for writing it. I I wanted to write the book that I felt like I needed once upon a time ago. And you know, I have always kind of felt like an outcast. Lilith is an outcast, and uh, you know, the the tail end of it, you know, find your home, your place of rest. There uh, in in the Bible, in Isaiah 34, 14, there's the little segment where Lilith actually is. And it talks about, you know, she's in this wasteland desert and that's where she'll find her place of rest. And so I just felt like, you know, witchcraft was a huge homecoming for me because it allowed me to express myself and find myself in a way that, like, I, I don't know if I would be here today if I didn't find it. Because again, it was I came into it at a turning point, hitting puberty, hitting that junior high stage where you're trying to figure out who you are. You know that you're different. Um, I always say I came out of the broom closet before I came out of the rainbow closet and uh, (laughs) as a a young gay man. And um, so it really helped me to to embrace myself and going back to what I had mentioned earlier, the nature of your own self, your own empowerment, your feelings, your connections, the psychological maybe aspects of witchcraft. Um, That's, that's how I, I connected, you know, as an outcast in in the world. And now, you know, I feel as though, again, I have a duty to, to share that with others and maybe help point them in a direction when maybe they're feeling lonely or scared or that the world is trying to beat them down. Um, there's another way of, of looking at things if you just are open-minded enough to do that and tap into yourself. Mm, there's a lot of uh, power to be found within, that's for sure. Absolutely. Mm. And in your book, the Lilithian laws of glam are to see it, to own it, to flaunt it, indulge in it and defend it. Can you enlighten our listeners about these laws in more detail? Yeah. So again, once I decided to kind of make the book more of like my philosophy, it's at that point, you know, as a solitary, you just kind of, you know, do your own thing, right? You you make your own practice, you do your own thing, and you just kind of don't really think anything else of it. But when time comes for you to actually explain it, it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to like find ways to communicate this. <laughs> and any type of like practice usually has kind of a set of laws or structure to it. But if you know anything about Lilith, she does not do laws. She does not do structure. She cannot be confined to things. So I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to set up these rules for living essentially that for something that does not go by a rule book. So I was like, you know, whatever they have, it is, it's got to be ambiguous enough and empowering enough to make it so that there aren't really any confines to it. And I always like dealing with kind of layers and looking how things kind of connect from one to another. So I wanted each one of them to connect to a, a flavor of magic, to an element of Lilith's story or her archetypes. And so we have, um, starting with seeing it, seeing it is literally just... Um, opening your eyes to the beauty of the world around you, number one. And number two, kind of opening your third eye and paying attention to the signs and synchronicities as they unfold in life. So from a magical aspect, that has a lot to do with divination and tapping into all of the different things from tarot to uh, learning the different clairs to learning numerology even, because, I mean, numerology is really heavily anchored in uh, tarot. So once you kind of start connecting the dots, you see how everything is intertwined and it becomes easier to learn. And that, you know, from Lilith's standpoint, you know, being this entity that has been around for the past 5,000 years, you know, she's she's old. She has a lot of knowledge. There's been a lot of things that she's learned and she's connected to a lot of occult wisdom. So I felt there was a home there for her. And then moving into owning it, that goes back to, you know, shadow self, looking at all aspects of ourselves and realizing that there is beauty in our darkness and how we can integrate that in our lives rather than suppress it. 
And, you know, the more we become cognizant of it, the ways that we can be aware and, and make better decisions um, for ourselves in, in moments of, of personal darkness. And that connects to um, Lilith from an astrological aspect. We have three different Lilith signs in our natal charts. We all do. And they're all connected to an element of our uh, shadow self. So if you work with them together, um, you know, there's uh, the asteroid Lilith, which represents our wound. There's dark moon Lilith, which represents our rage. And then black moon Lilith, which represents the reintegration of the shadow once it's gone through the sadness and the anger. Um, and in a way, I kind of work with them in like a very maiden mother prone aspect, but again, connecting to that shadow self and how we can work with that in a magical context. Um, and then flaunting it is, of course, glamour magic and really just showing the world who it is that you are and how you want to show up and be present for. Um, creating an illusion with an A rather than an I because illusion when it's spelled with an I is more of a camouflage of deceit, whereas illusion, A-L-L, -L, is more of a, a concealed reference to something that already exists. It's kind of like Halloween or cosplay when we put on a, a role or a character. We, we're taking something that we know already exists somewhere else, but we're kind of using it in our own kind of context. So using That's aesthetic, so cool. using baths and crystals and different things like that, even dolls as poppets and things to, to connect with our outward visual appearance. Um, and uh, when, when, when it's connected to Lilith, it goes into her element as a shapeshifter. Um, mm -hmm. It also connects to her as um, a uh, enchantress and a seductress um, and being someone that pulls people in visually. Um, and then from there, we go into indulging in it, the, the law of pleasure. Um, and giving into your pleasures. And, you know, if it comes down to, oh my gosh, I really want to eat this piece of cake, but I can't do it because I have to go to the gym and da, da, da. I'm like, screw it, just eat the piece of cake. Give yeah. into your pleasures <laughs> in life. Because at the end of the day on our deathbed, we're not going to like be worrying about how much, you know, we worked, you know, how many hours mm -hmm. it is that we worked in a week or, you know, how many times we counted calories or went to the gym. We're going to be caring more about the pleasures that we had in life. And so it's, it's, I look at life in a very hedonistic kind of way of, of how I can maximize my pleasure on earth. Um, at the same time, being responsible and doing all of those things, but making pleasure a primary source of, um, uh, not responsibility, but um, what's that thing? Like uh, when it comes to the hierarchy of uh, priority, that's the word. Um, <laughs> making pleasure a priority in life, whatever that is. But from a magical context, it connects to sex magic and the potent power of of orgasm uses magical fuel, and that of course goes into Lilith's connection as a. a again seductress but priestess of passion as well and then it, it once at that point you're jiving you're you're seeing things differently you're flaunting who you are you're owning who you are you're giving into pleasures in life you're going to develop some haters you're going to develop some mm -hmm. people that get jealous and envious of you so then it's time to defend it and defend what it is that you stand for and represent and that comes in into the protective magics and the elements of potentially hexing if that's something that you feel called to do or you know what Ma taking a uh, making the decision to do magical fight or flight are you going to fight the adversary or something with throwing hexes or magical baneful things out there or are you going to flee are you going to build up a wall of protection around you and move away from a situation because i know a lot of times you see all these things online about lilith oh call her up for a hex and she'll protect you and she'll go after the the bad people but at the same time if we really look at all of her mythologies you know her situation with Adam. She fled. She left the mm -hmm. adversarial Garden of Eden to live a free life somewhere else. So removing yourself from something that is negative is sometimes the better aspect of going. Um, so I present that that level of choice to the readers in the book on what, how it is that you best defend yourself, whether you leave or stay or, you know, however it is that you go. But that's, that's a breakdown of the Lilithian laws. That's it's very deep. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you, I, feel that, I feel that I feel that the Glam Witch, you know, just from on a side note, the Glam Witch is such a marketable, modern, modern marketable mm. um, way of bringing witchcraft to the masses, the the younger um, the younger mm -hmm. babies that are coming up through. I think um, Fiona gave us the term the other day. They're called baby witches, and so yes. I feel like it's going to um, it's going to resonate with a lot of people. And then. When you um, talked about Lilith uh, being wise and old and all of that, is that why she's associated um, with birds and the owl in particular? And why is she associated with the snake as well? So 
Well, if we look at owls and we look at snakes together, both are rep- really representative of wisdom. So there's there is a little bit of that in there. Um, from a like more historian standpoint, I mean, the bird birds and snakes together have been you know uh, familiars, animals, goddess uh, connected to the goddess in multiple cultures throughout time, and um, I think a lot of it comes from the older story of her in um uh, with Gilgamesh if you're familiar with that she basically Inanna found a halupu tree which is essentially a, a white willow on the banks um of a river and she brought it back to her garden which is essentially like later on turns into like the garden of eden so we have that tree there that she brought and she comes outside one day and she sees that there's a serpent at the base of it a big bird in the the top and Lilith has made her home in the center. And if we really look at that picture of what that paints, it's a world tree. You know, serpents are like the roots. They go down into the underworld and birds can fly into the heavens. So as Mm. above, so below. And then you have Lilith there in the center as the guardian of the two worlds. That's where I kind of see that connection being. Um, But there's also that famous plaque that is associated with Lilith, the Bernie relief that's in the British Museum, uh, which has been tossed around as a lot of different goddesses. It's that straightforward nude goddess holding a ring and rod in each hand. She's winged with a crown, bird feet, two owls next to her, and she's standing on top of two lions. And you know, there's there's been speculation on who exactly that is. If it's Inanna, Ishtar, Lilith, Arishkagul, currently the museum sees it as an image of Inanna or Ishtar. But in all honesty, it's probably a completely different deity that we've forgotten about over time. Um, but it got connected to Lilith in the 30s because of um, the that, again, that Gilgamesh story, because there was the clawed feet and the wings and she flew from the trees and there were the owls there and they were in the tree as well. So um, that's one of the ideas. The other idea is kind of also with her being um, a priestess to uh, Inanna and Ishtar during that time, uh, the, the very big sex temples that were there. She was, her main role as the high priestess was to go out into the streets and bring um, others into the temple to explore the sacred art of sexuality. And uh, the one idea was, is that the birds, the owls, they were nocturnal. So it represented a level of potential prostitution because once the the sun went down, the owls came out, so to speak. So that was one of the reasons why she potentially was linked in with the owl as well. Um, but the snake, uh, kind of similar situation. I mean, in both aspects too, the owl and the snake have been considered evil by many cultures. Just as, mm. as many times as it's been considered something positive, they've been considered horrific, abominable creatures and many others. And Lilith is um, the mother of the outcasts and the uh, uh, abandoned, you know, individuals and animals in the world. And so, of course, the snake and an owl gets wrapped up into that. But serpents as well, they represent kundalini energy, the sexuality that's there. Um, There's stories of Lilith being the transforming into the serpent that went back to the Garden of Eden to tempt Eve. Um, So the serpent is there and a lot of the mythology is connected to Lilith as well. You're so wise when it comes to Lilith. You're like this. <laughs> it's, it's 20 years of research. I, mean, and I, joke <laughs> a about it a lot. I joke about it a lot. My history chapter on Lilith was one of the hardest things in the world that I ever had to write because I was trying to fill in it with so much information. It ended up being 30 pages, but it was originally like 60 or 75. I mean, it could very well, there are books that really talk about her history, but um my editor at the time was just like, you need to redo this because it sounds like a high school research paper. <laughs> and the rest of the book has so much personality, but this chapter sounds horrible. And I went to try to revise it like five times. And she's like, Michael, I need you to get drunk, like really, 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 really drunk. <laughs> and I need you to record yourself retelling the story of Lilith. Like oh. to tell that chapter, but as a drunk person, it's like that show Drunk History. Oh, we had just watched show. it together. <laughs> so she, she was like, you need to do a drunk history of Lilith. And so I kind of did that to break out of my like very structured, this is how I'm talking about history uh, chapter and made it a little bit more fun and entertaining for people. But who knows, maybe down the line, it'll, I'll actually make one that's really, you know, a whole 200 page book on her history. Um, Cause a lot of people have loved that chapter and want more information. 
I loved in that um, chapter two how your picture with that statue you were just talking about. Oh, yeah. How was that? Yeah. To, oh, to my visit. gosh. I had a really lovely experience. I um, So while I was writing the book, uh, I was uh, seeing someone from the Czech Republic and I went home with him to visit his family. And uh, I knew going over into Europe, I was like, I have to make a stop to see this statue. I mean, one of the layovers is in London. So let me make sure it's the, the, the closest one to the, to this museum. So I ended up staying about 11 hours in London and keep in mind, like three hours of that is in customs. And yeah. like, I like when I finally got out of customs and everything, it's like 11 PM at night. And my flight home is like 10 o'clock in the morning the next day. So I rush over to the hotel, can't sleep. Cause I'm so excited. Just wander the streets of London all night long, circle the museum can I got to jet right in and had like 30 minutes that I could spend in the museum. And I just was there with her this, you know, during the time. And it was so magical. Um, I can't even tell you like how exciting it was. I was like shaking and it was just, just so lovely. And looking into the eyes of that statue, I mean, regardless of who it, who that statue was meant to be at a time, mm-hmm. it, it is in essence a, a, a visual representation of Lilith today. She wears it. And I'm a firm believer in looking at like when people's, when the collective conscious of m- multiple groups and things start putting energy into something that creates an energy field. And so when the world started seeing that more as an image to Lilith, it became an, an image of her. So mm-hmm. um, even though it's very controversial and a lot of, you know, um, people want to argue about it, that it's not Lilith and yada, yada, yada. I really wanted to make that like one of the, the main symbols on the cover of the book too, because it's it's always going to be a, a, a representation of her that I hold to my heart and into my practice. Mm. I see Lilith there, so... Um, but wow. yes, it was really, it was really cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just had this experience. This has to go in the book. So, and I did it too, because I was like, like legally, I wanted to take my own picture of the, the, um, the plaque. So I, mm. you know, I could legally put it in the book. So it, was, it worked <laughs> out really, really good. And I also love in your book, how you explain the Lilithian pentacle and how each point ah. doesn't just connect you to an element, but a particular form of magic within that Lilithian law. So can yes. you explain to our listeners how that works? Okay. So I, I deeply love like the pentagram and the pentacle, mm. like they, to me, it's just, I just love them. And I know a lot of people from like my generation of witchcraft have all fallen in love with the triquetra because of charmed. And it was the symbol, you know, for, for the awakening of so many, but I love the pentagram and everything that it represents. And when I was developing the, the different laws for Lilith, you know, I was like, oh, well, there's five here. There's five points of the pentagram. How can I make this a thing. And, you know, how many times have I seen, like, for example, like Baphomet as, you know, the, you know, standing there is like the, the main pentagram thing. So I wanted to do a, a take on that with Lilith and look at, you know, what could each one of the points really represent? So, you know, we know that they're connected to different elements of, um, or just the different elements. So I was like, okay, well, how, what, what makes sense? So of course you have the, um, Owning it is then connected to water because that, you know, our shadow self would be connected more to our emotional aspect of life. That's water. And then you have um, for the the element of fire, indulging in it, passion, sensuality, Mm -hmm. that creative warmth that's conjured from there. Um, Glamour, because it's visual and it's material, that would be earth, Um, you know, connecting to flaunting it, what's actually physically here in front of you. Um, Defending it then would be air, because I looked at that more as like the swords from the tarot spread and how it's connected Mm -hmm. to air. (coughs) Excuse me. And then um, when we come to spirit, that would, of course, be seeing it, connecting to your higher self, divination, and things like that. And it just worked well. And I found a, a cool illustration that I was able to tweak and morph and use some graphic design skills to, to turn into a, a really good visual representation of it. Mm. I found it was great to have that visual aspect in the book and piece it all together that way. It was beautiful. Thank you. Michael, you have mentioned a few times that you're solitary. Um, yes. I'm not a practicing witch, Shannon is, uh, but we okay. both identify as solitary. Um, have okay. you ever had any experience with a coven though? And if you have, can you share? Excuse me. <laughs> One thing. 
Michael's had a bit of a cough, so he yeah, did warn sorry. us that he might have to do that. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, yep, just getting over a horrible little cold as the that seasons change here in Chicago. Um, but no, you know, I've always been solitary. I've, I've, I've at one point had a, a desire to maybe become a coven uh, member when I moved from the suburbs um, up to Chicago when I was 20. Um, I was trying to find like-minded people at local stores and stuff. And I just was running into a bunch of people that were like, oh yeah, let's get together. But then they never did. And I just really kind of wanted to formulate and create my own practice even more, which I'm glad I did because, you know, that's, you know, my practice had evolved and turned into this book and I was able to share with the world. So everything works out. Um, but I, I would say that I have, um, well, I'm not a part of a, a, part of a formal coven. Um, I am definitely a part of, you know, different little magical families, for instance, you know, which way magazine, they were the ones that, um, you know, I wrote my first article in and there be, became my first publisher. And so that's kind of one of my little, little witch families that I have. And um, I have been actually in Chicago being a part of more circles um, of other witches who kind of informally will get together to celebrate the moon or a festival or something along those lines. And I like it. Um, I don't know if a coven would be something that I would do in, in the future, uh, but I will say I'm much more open-minded to it now than I was early. I loved being more of the rebel and it seems to, you know, 20 years ago, I was like, oh, my God, solitaries. Oh, we can't have that. It's, you know, it was like they were the rebellious ones because everyone was joining covens and it was more traditional to do that. And now I think it's more traditional to be a solitary, in all honesty. Mm, so Very much so. Yeah. And Michael, is there a particular quote that resonates with you deeply? And would you mind sharing it with our listeners? And it can be from your own body of work or someone that inspires you. So I had one in mind and, and now I have another. So I'm just going to give you two. So a witchy, a witchy one would be um, from one of Fiona's recent books, uh, The Art of Witch. She mentions that witchcraft is the perpetual art of transformation. And I really love that quote because it really does showcase the element of change that is connected to witchcraft. We look at this life cycles of life, death, and rebirth, the constant change and how change is really the only thing constant in the world. And then we look at the changing community of witches and just not even necessarily witches, but just the magical community as a whole. Um, you know, I was just asked some uh, recently about like my thoughts on TikTok and the social media aspect of witches. And, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not like, a, I'm not, a, I'm not really on TikTok. I have an account and it's, you know, there, I, there's aspects of it that can be problematic, but there can be with everything else. And I think, you know, too often we kind of end up gatekeeping um, different parts of, or different things within the witchcraft community because there's some new avenue of trying to do it. And I think that the more we allow our, our community to continue to grow and change and be a part mm -hmm. of that perpetual changing, as that perpetual act of transformation, that's how we grow. That's how we grow as a community and we become stronger together. Uh, so that, that's one of the reasons why I really love that quote because can, it can hit home on so many different fronts. Um, but another quote that I love um, it's Latin. It is, quod mi nutrit, mi destruit. And it's on, I have it tattooed on the back of me and it, it means what nourishes me destroys me. And um, I actually have it tattooed under the Hebrew uh, letters for Lilith and then wings to represent her. Because I thought that that was, a, you know, at the time, gosh, I had to have been like 18, 19 when I got that. Um, it, it really hit home to me when it comes to like more of those darker aspects of Lilith, more of that taboo stuff, you know, that sometimes um, we can be masochistic and the things that we don't like or that we're so afraid of or fearful of actually in some way kind of gives us some, some certain pleasures. So, um, mm. or even just personal vices and things like that. So what nourishes us can destroy us, but then we can be reborn from that and learn and grow and change along the way. Very cool. It's very, it's very okay. mind bending and you do have to think about it. Um, yep. Um, but yeah, I think um, I like that. I like it a lot. Can you, you. sing? Can you Cannot. sing? I can do, I can do many things in the world, but singing is not one of them. But, okay. Um, well, you, a part of a tradition on the podcast is that okay. we do um, a divine tool of the week at the end. Okay. And so Shannon will usually do the divine tool, but I have to sing divine tool of the week <laughs> or 
or say it in a different accent at Shannon's choice. So do you want to <laughs> have an accent that you have to say it's divine okay. tool of the week time or do you, or do you want to sing it? It's up to you. Accent or sing? Oh my God. Uh, oh, I will try the accent. Okay, Shannon, pick an accent. Oh gosh, maybe Australian. Give Australian oh, a crack. Yes. <laughs> so you have to say. Oh gosh, this is going to be horrible. Divine tool divine of the week. Divine tool of the week time. Divine tool of the week time. <laughs> that was rather British, but was a good go. <laughs> oh well. It's very British. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. And do you have a divine tool that you've been working with most recently that you'd like to share with us or one of your favorites? Um, oh my gosh. So when it comes to a traditional tool aspect, I love athames. I love working with my athames. It's one of my most powerful tools. But I will say that, you know, I'm as the glam witch, um, one of my biggest tools right now is a caftan. So Ooh. I um I work a lot of, when it comes to glamour, of course, with outfits and different things along those lines, putting the magic of whatever it is that I'm trying to work in the world in a whole look. Um, but in the last year or so, uh, the caftan has kind of become my signature outfit piece. And it's just to me something that's so magical. It's it's flowy and it's very witchy. Um, and uh, it's, it's what I'm always wearing and I'm always enchanting and charging uh, from a magical standpoint. So um, your clothing, the, uh, specifically a caftan, that would be my tool. That's awesome. And do you have a That's particular cool. caftan that, that you center, but wear? I, I would expect nothing yeah. less. Um, I actually just got one that's supposed to be arriving tomorrow because I have, um, so this Saturday... Uh, Saturday nights, I am a tarot reader at a local beauty bar. It's a salon during the day and then an uh, evening speakeasy uh, lounge in the evening. And uh, one of the owners is turning 54, so they're doing a Studio 54 party. And uh, my wig that I'm wearing now is part of the ensemble. But I, I got a... Um, a, a rose gold sequins caftan and they're like wow. those big pieces of sequins and I love working with sequins from a magical standpoint and outfits because it glitters right so it, it not mm -hmm. only like does it attract things to you but because it's essentially little little mirrors on you it repels too so when I wear something that's more metallic or something along those lines I see it as kind of a witch armor um, yeah. because it really pushes out the negative vibes while also bringing in really cool positive stuff it's like a fashion fashionable version of pyrite does the same thing it's it's luck but it's protective at the same time and so um i think that's going to definitely be one of my favorite uh caftans that i wear but i have so many of them and it's hard to, to choose which ones i like the best i am never going to look at a sequin the same way again i love that i know aren't you you're never gonna <laughs> i love it and i wonder if i could pull off wearing like a sequined something to, you know, go do my groceries, the local shop. Oh, you can. Yeah, a get cape. A, get a, a, a sequin <laughs> cape or even a sequin scarf or something, yes. you know, it doesn't have yeah. to necessarily be a huge crazy component of your outfit. I'd say that to a lot of, a lot of people are always like, well, I'm a witch. I only wear black. So how can I use color magic? And I'm like, it could just be your underwear or it could be, yeah, you know, a, just a, a belt, a, your shoes, you know, lipstick, any of that kind of stuff. So anything that shimmers, jewelry, met like metal jewelry is actually is a really good way to do it too. So yeah. I once had a t-shirt that said mm -hmm. fuck off on the front, but it was it. in it was in sequence. So the, the letters were spelled out in sequence. <laughs> I need to just, <laughs> I need to start making more of those. Now that's, really perfect. that's perfect because it really did attract attention, but then pushed, you know, negativity <laughs> outward. That's great. I loved it. <laughs> love it. So Michael, do you have anything brewing you would love to share with our podcast coven and how can everyone find your wonderful work? Oh my gosh. I have so much brewing, but I can't really share that much of it. Um, ah. I just, I just turned in my sixth book. Um, so it's in with the wow. editors. It'll be coming out in April. I can't really talk about specifically what it's what it is yet. Um, working on a seventh book that I've been actually working on for like the last year. I was going to try to release it as my third, but COVID happened and it just didn't seem like the right time. It's 
Um, if all goes right, it'll be kind of like a coffee table, photography, fashion, glamour, magic book. Oh, wow. Um, so hopefully that'll come out next year. Um, and then there's a couple other books and projects in the works that have been pitched to places. So fingers crossed that those will get picked up at some point. And we'll see from there. But I'm I'm doing also in February um, a online class uh called with through WitchCon. Um, I want to say that there's about a hundred different guests that'll be there and I'll be teaching a course on um, uh, Lilithian astrology. So looking at the different um, Lilith signs and things. So that might be something for someone to check out, but you can connect to all of my different events, online events, all of that good stuff, all of my different books by just going to my website, www.theglamwitch.com. And there's links to everything there, specifically my social media pages, which actually, um, now that I think about it, I kind of want to address too, because I'm not sure if you all are familiar with it, but there's been a mass surge of imposter accounts that have been starting to be created on Instagram. And uh, I've had it happen three times to me now, and Instagram just really doesn't give a crap. Um, the amount of times I've had to verify, like try to get my account verified, and they just want to fight back and say, well, you have to prove that someone's trying to, like, you you would be someone that someone wants to impersonate. I'm like, it's happened three times, and people are being scammed out of thousands of dollars in it. So so essentially, if, you are, if you're not familiar with this, um, you know, if you get a, uh, an email from an author or someone else in the magical community saying, you know, hi, I, I'm here to, I thought about you and I have a message for you. Can you give me $500 mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. It's fake. You know, we're not popping up in people's DMs asking for services and all of that crazy stuff. So, and just pay attention to the profile and things like that. But all of my official profiles link off of my website. So if you ever want to make sure and see if there's some kind of, if you're being catfished in any kind of a way, just www.theglamwitch.com. You see the little Instagram uh, icon at the top. Click on that. It goes to my real account. You can also see the Glam Witch that we're following because that's the real one. Yes, Yes. there's that too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the real one. Uh, Do you do online tarot readings? I do. Um, and that's kind of what sucks too, because it's, it's, it's one of these things where I don't specifically really advertise it that much on social media. But on my website, there is a readings page that connects to a calendar. Um, and you can have your choice of either doing a natal chart reading for astrology or a tarot reading or a combo, which people see. I actually, those are my favorite ones to do because we kind of can look at the whole, your whole chart and see what's going on and then do a reading or two that kind of can give us and point us in directions on where you should kind of go to, depending on what transits and the planets are happening and things like that. That sounds amazing. And I'm sure lots of our Perfect. listeners will be very keen to check out everything that you're offering. And I love your Instagram page. It's just so colorful oh, and thank full you. of life that, and vibrant. You know what? That's something that I really, thank you. I'm, I'm happy because in today's day and age, there's so much, like uh, garbage and horror shows of the world and Mm. so many people resharing these negative nasty things so I always try to keep my social media page you know very positive very you know here's something colorful or something cute you know to you know in your scrolling of all of the negative there's something positive here for you to kind of look at so yeah brings a lot of joy that's what I try to do we are so blessed to have had your um, you with us today on the podcast. And I know that our listeners are just going to like eat it all up. Um, <laughs> can, they buy, can they buy your books via your website or can they get them like at Amazon or where can they go to get the Glam Witch book? Yeah. So the best place right now, um, and from what I understand in Australia, um, that you can get them all on Amazon um, or there's also like book depository and a couple other sites. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just Google you know, me as the author, you know, Michael Herkus author or something along those lines, um, you should be able to find resources for you to purchase them um, outside of the U.S. Uh, you can purchase them directly, uh, at least the Glam Witch you can purchase directly from the publisher. Um, and there's a link to that on the website, but it would end up probably being a lot more um, because it would have to ship from the U.S. So mm. um, being an Australian audience, it might be easier to to just kind of try to find which a distributor that's out there that would be um, able to get it to you. But I know that they're all on Amazon, so. Perfect. Wonderful. 
thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Um, and even thank just you. being able to read um, the Glamwich book, I uh, sped, I not sped, read, I speed read it. I don't even know. I, I, I read really fast. <laughs> I guess it's, uh, it, you read it quickly. Sped read. <laughs> read. I love it. <laughs> I sped read. Um, and I can't wait to bed read. Um, I can't wait to be able to go back and actually devour it and indulge in it and, and take everything Mm -hmm. from it because, um, I feel like I really do need to sit down with it and read it, but it's Mm -hmm. one that, um, I've got a, a, probably about a year and a half worth of books just sitting there to read, but it's one that's been bumped Mm -hmm. up to the front. So, um, I can't wait. We'll say, um, and I actually don't think I've ever talked about this uh, openly on a podcast. Um, but if you wanted to read the very last paragraph first, because I have this weird thing where when I buy a book, I always read the last paragraph first. So um, the my, like my last paragraph was something that I, like I really wanted to make meaningful. And a lot of people have been like, oh, my God, that was like some so many empowering words. So to get a fr- like a good feel of the book, the, the last paragraph is a good intro to that. Love there that. you go. Do you give us permission to read out that last paragraph? Sure. Yes, absolutely. We might add it on to the end of the podcast then. Yeah, I would love that. Do that. Cool. Shall do. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. Thank you. We hope you have a fabulous night tonight and that you're starting to feel better and better and better. Um, And we can't wait to hear everyone's love for you and the podcast um, episode. And yeah, hopefully um, your your clients and customers really enjoy this episode as well. Um, mm. And I'm sure this is not the end of of having you on Turns Out She's a Witch. I hope not. I've had so much fun. <laughs> Thank you again so much for having me on. I've, it's a big honor. Thank you from all the way across the other side of the world. <laughs> We're going to close out this episode of Turns Out She's a Witch, reading the very last paragraph from Michael's book, The Glam Witch. So as you progress on your magical journey, nurture your own Lilithian garden within and reclaim your paradise, the secret and magical garden of the goddess. Reclaim your Eden in the eyes of Lilith, she who was first, the red goddess of passion, desire, love and personal power. Consume her fruit, devouring her knowledge to awaken the power within. Break the chains that surround you. Sprout your wings and fly high. Welcome the wilderness within and find yourself. Attract awe. Know, dare and will. Silence your mind and let your glamour do the speaking. Go forth on your path, whatever it may be. Breathe calmly. Believe in yourself and receive infinite possibilities from the universe. Carp noctum. Seize the night. Survive and thrive in your surroundings with inner vision. Love yourself and attract the life you want. In the end, the most powerful ritual you will ever perform is fully living your life for you without any apologies or regrets. Enjoy your life. That is Lilith's lesson and ultimately fortifies the lifestyle of the Glam Witch. Thank you all so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you again next week.